Praise the Lord if hearts and minds are ready. Um, I have spent some time with the Lord this week. I always, um, I always do. I lock myself away on Saturdays and just get prepped. And really the process is, the, is I think I get so full of stuff that I feel like the Lord's put in me. And the, the Saturday is just basically a, a process of the Lord kind of cutting about 80% of it away. And saying, don't say that, don't do that, um, and just whittling me down. And, um, but that's good because we don't want anybody glorified but Jesus Christ. We are hungry for the Lord. <clears throat> Beauty for ashes. Jesus said in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord... Is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the Lord's planting, so that he may be glorified. My prayer this morning for our church is this. Lord, for our lack of amenities, give us the flow of your abundant spirit. For our shortage of resources, grant us the prosperity of your presence. Break open the seal upon our services and make them a spigot for the Holy Spirit. Transform our worship from formality to flowing. Upgrade our ministry, Lord, from explaining Jesus to presenting Jesus. Change our coming to church into a gathering unto you. Transform it from a facility to a fountain. And make this church your own. For Lord, your church is the fountain of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel foresaw the stream of God's Spirit like a mighty river of life that flowed out into the world from within the church. And he saw it saying, everything will live where the river flows. And they will bear fruit every month because their water source flows from the sanctuary. Ezekiel 47. The prophet Joel also foresaw us and said, In that day, water will fill the dry riverbeds. Oh, don't you want the dry riverbeds of your life to fill with the Lord's river? And a fountain will burst forth 
from the Lord's temple watering the dry valley. In Joel chapter 3, don't we long to see the dry valley rush with the Lord's presence? The Bible says that that fountain will burst forth from the Lord's temple. And who is the temple of the Lord? The temple of the Lord is here upon the earth. Jesus said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is within you. Why, Jesus himself even prophesied about us, saying, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Yes. Praise the Lord. Folks, the two prime objectives of Christ's church are the filling up and the flowing out of the Holy Spirit. Lord, our prayer is make us the facility of filling and flowing. Can we distill down to that one mission, that two-sided coin, that two-fold mission? our purpose for gathering every Sunday, when we gather together, wherever we gather, can we distill down the purpose, putting everything else aside, to that one purpose, so that when we gather together, Lord, let these two things take place. Let these two things happen, filling up and flowing out. Filling up and flowing out. Make us the facility of filling and flowing. For what is church if it's not God's fountain. What is it? Whether faith Christian church or whether the assemblies of God or the Catholic church or the Lutheran or an independent church, the Pentecostal or the fundamentalist, it doesn't matter what the brand. What is church if it's not the fountain of God? If it's not the fountain where the Holy Spirit is flowing, if people can't come and be filled and then flow and go out and flow, what is church? No matter how elaborate, no matter how wealthy, no matter how prosperous in resources, no matter how refined in its functions and ability to identify human needs, lifting up humanity, lessening the load, lightening the burden. What is it ultimately? How will heaven score the church? How will we when we are hung in the scales, way out, if it's not filling and flowing that takes place when we gather? I really wish we could do some of those other things. I wish we had the facilities and the money to put on those things, to offer those things, to do those things. Those are awesome things. They're wonderful things. And let's make no mistake about it. The world is crying out. Give us more of that stuff. Have you noticed the world wants stuff? And it's not because they're selfish. It's because they're needy. They're needy. But when Jesus came, he targeted that one objective. He did what no agency could do. He addressed what no organization could address. He did the work that no people could do. 
He told his own disciples, the poor you have with you always. You can always do good to them. Those are the words right out of the Savior's mouth. Anytime you wish you could do them good, it's wonderful to do those things. It's great when churches do those things. But sometimes our peripheral growth and development as we prosper and we fan out into all of those different functions and we tell ourselves we're, we are showing the gospel through our love. And of course that probably is true. But the fact is when we gather together, when we are what the Bible calls the church, when we are doing church, when we are being church, there is a two-sided function that should be happening. And if that's not happening, then none of the rest all piled up together and weighed out can make up for the lack and the loss. We're just a religious institution if people aren't being filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Peter and James and John. It wasn't the apostles that had the idea to hang out in the upper room 50 days after Jesus came out of the tomb and pray together and get in unity and wait and be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Whose idea was that? Oh, man, we got some theologians here this morning. Glory to God. Y'all are sharp. It was Jesus' idea. Jesus' idea. When Jesus had a say-so, I don't know that he has a say-so in church anymore. Some churches he does, some he doesn't. Sometimes he does around here, and sometimes he doesn't. That's the sad truth. But the happy part of it is he could have a say-so every time we get together. Yes. Can you say amen? Yes. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord is not petulant. He doesn't throw temper tantrums. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't hold his breath and walk away and say, well, I was in the service with you guys this morning, but you had me bound and gagged. I couldn't talk, couldn't touch anybody, couldn't heal anybody, couldn't deliver anybody. You guys don't even believe in demons anymore. I couldn't raise the dead. I couldn't do anything. I just had to sit there like a picture on the wall while you sang about me and danced around me and then preached about me. But he's not petulant. He doesn't throw himself on the floor and have a tantrum. He doesn't say, you know, I've had it with y'all. I'm not coming back next week. He is long-suffering. It is he, it is his love, it is his grace, it is his will that time and time again will never stop urging us into his presence. He will never stop pulling us into his presence. While we have breath, while we are in this world, he will never stop calling out to us. And I think sometimes we take for granted that the Lord is long-suffering. We almost fall into this pattern. It's like a game. Well, the Lord's dealing with me, and I know I'm not really giving my all. And, and we play that right up until the day we die. If we actually thought the Lord would abandon us, if we actually thought you'd get five do-overs, you get five chances to put the kingdom first, you get 10 or you get 20, and uh, you're on your last ticket, this is it. If we actually thought that, we, I don't know, maybe we would, maybe we would, but I don't think so. 
It is the grace of God. It is the, the, his love for us that draws us. In fact, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads us to turn around to change our mind to what the Bible calls repent. And this morning, I feel like the church is standing on the edge of a repentance, trying to make up its mind, trying to decide, are we going to come in, bring this ship into dry dock and hoist this thing up and give it an overhaul and change what we do so that we can serve and facilitate the filling and the flowing so that we can get back to Pentecost, so that we can get back to receiving the Holy Spirit. Do you have a need? Is there a lack of funds? Is the parking lot caving in? Uh, is, uh, is there a lack of space? Is there, a, is, there, uh, is there an overflowing need? I have an answer. Yes. I have an answer. Get more of the Holy Spirit. Yes. I have an answer. Receive more of the anointing. God has a simple fix-all answer to everything. More of Jesus. More of Jesus. He knows how to take... In fact, I think sometimes we are in need. God str uh, strings us along so that we'll take that hunger and we'll aim it at Him. And we'll thirst for Him and hunger for Him. And then on the other side of the, di the ditch, on the other side of the road, where we're so affluent, so overflowing, some of us are, are blessed and privileged to go home. We, we basically, you know, what we call a need is we don't get to take that third vacation this year. And uh, things are a little tight. Um, we won't be able to buy that new car for our graduating 17-year-old. But, but for the most part, there's some of us that are really prosperous. We live a pretty prosperous life. So in the ditch on the other side of the road where we live in abundance, I think sometimes God is pulling on us to see in that midnight hour when your soul is being pricked and in your heart you know, for all that I have, something's not right. Something's missing. Why am I still hungry? Why do I still feel like, even though I'm a Christian, I go to church every week, I have a Bible, I, I pray, I read, but something, I feel like Jesus really isn't Lord in my life. Those nagging things. The Lord's faithful. He just keeps on pulling, keeps on pulling. But one day we have to wake up and we have to jump in and say, that's it. I am making the plunge. I am... I am opening the door. He's been knocking. I'm just going to open and let the master come in and take control of my life. Let me see the hands, and I am going to ask a show of hands. Let me see the hands of anybody this morning who could say, I feel like in, in one way or another, I am at that point in my life where I'm tired of hearing the Holy Spirit knocking on the door. I need to open this door. I know that there's a lot of us in that, in that place in one area or another of our life. We're at that point. And I feel like the Lord is toenailing us, curbing us, leading us in to that place week after week where we are narrowing into that place where we are individually and collectively as a body getting to the point where we're saying, that's it, we're throwing the door open. Can you say amen? amen. So our prayer is make us the facility of filling and flowing. 
if we can't be anything else, oh, that we might be God's fountain. Hallelujah. If we could be God's fountain, we'll be all that we need to be. God will take care of everything else. Can you say amen? amen? There's a really peculiar and yet wonderful prophetic word in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament where the Lord basically spoke and laid down the essence of what our church prayers ought to consist of. This is the essence of what our seeking should be when we gather on Sunday morning, before the service, during the service, and after. This is the essential of what our asking and what our desires ought to be. And the Lord expressed it through Zechariah. And the Lord said, Ask the Lord for rain in the season of the late spring rains. The Lord who causes thunderstorms, and he will give everyone showers of rain and green growth in the field. Amen. Now, I, I fell into fascination with that verse decades ago because I noticed that the Lord said, in the time of the spring rain, ask for rain. Well, in the human way of thinking, it's usually during the drought. In Florida, we, we have droughts in the wintertime. The winter is very dry. And, uh, and uh, everything's on fire, like out in California. A couple of years ago, we had wildfires, burned up a lot of the state. It just seems to happen. I, I would think we tend to say, during the time of the drought, when it's dry, ask for rain. But that's not what, what the Lord said. The Lord said, in the time, in the season of rain, ask the Lord for rain. And he will pour out on everyone, specifically said everyone, showers of rain and green growth will occur in their fields. And I fell in love with that verse because I realized that God was revealing the cooperation between the Holy Spirit and God's providential will and us and our desire. And the Lord says, when you know it's time to rain, don't stand there with your hands in your pocket saying, all right, I'm waiting, let it happen. I know it's springtime, it's going to rain. I'm not going to bother praying for rain in springtime because I know it's spring and it rains. Hey, I'm going to come to church and we're going to see what happens. You understand what I'm, you see what I'm talking about? God said, when you're on your way to the house of God, when you're ready to gather with the people of God, don't just go in with your hands in your pocket and say, well, we'll see what happens this week. We'll see what the Lord has. God says, I want to see what you have. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Is there a prayer in you for rain? Well, Lord, I don't need to. You already said it is the time to rain. Do you understand? God is always trying to pull us into His will by getting us to pray the obvious. The things that He says, this is what I want to do, those are the things we ought to be chasing and praying for. Yeah. If God says, I want to move and pour out my Spirit, then we ought to be seeking God. Oh, Father, pour out your Spirit. Hallelujah. So my prayer for our church today is that you will know it's the season for the rain. 
that you will know that you are God's facility for the filling up and the flowing out of His Spirit. And that knowing that you're a vessel, a steward of various gifts that He has put in your life, you will arrive on the scene having prayed for rain and prepared to overflow. Because God has anointed Jesus and that anointing Jesus has passed on to us. So let him pour out beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Let him pour out the abundance of his spirit for the lack of our amenities. Let him pour out the power of his presence for the shortages of his resources. I'll share with you just a little tip um, for Christians that want to walk with God, that want to walk in the Spirit. When you know that you are about to gather where there's going to be prayer, when you know you're about to gather and, and it's going to be the service, God's people gathering for worship, and you know God has put something in your life, don't ever go without having first stirred up the gift that is in you and said, Lord, yes. put something in me Glory. to bring this morning. Amen. You say, I'm bringing my tithe. The kind, of, the kind of spiritual meat that I'm talking about can't be bought with a tithe. The things that I'm talking about this morning, our offering is no good for those things. You say, Jesus paid the price. Yes, but the price that Jesus paid is offered up by our thirst and our longing and our hunger. If you know that God uses you in a particular way, spend some time before you come or while you're on your way and say, Father, show me what you would have me do. What can I bring? If you get into the habit of doing that on a regular basis, you'll see the Lord moving in your life. Imagine a church where all the people that come when they gather together to lift up and to worship the Lord have all come from that state of mind. Lord, I've come this morning to give. Now, if I don't give this prophetic word that's been swirling around inside me, that's fine, but I'm ready. If I, don't, if I don't speak this vision God's put in my heart, I feel led to lay hands on the sick. If that opportunity doesn't present itself, that's all right. I've prayed. I'm leaning into that. I'm coming ready to do those things. God's put a, a, something in my heart to share with someone. If the Lord doesn't open the door, that's okay. But don't come empty. Don't come dead. Don't come with the lights off and expect the church to turn the lights on. Don't come empty and expect the church to fill you. Are you listening to me? Come because you are that vessel that the living water will flow from. When we pray for rain, where do you think the rain comes from? Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Is the Lord fooled? Our God most certainly is not fooled. He can... <laughs> He doesn't wait till 10 o'clock and say, okay, I wonder what they're going to have this week. Wonder what they... He knows the state of us the, before we ever get here. He knows 
if the hearts have been prepared. He knows if people have come ready to receive. You say, well, how do you come ready to receive? Come ready to give. Because givers never lack. And I'm not talking about just coming, getting ready to give your tithe. I'm talking about giving yourself. Come ready to give your hunger to the Lord. Give your thirst to the Lord. When it's time to pray, come up and fall on your knees and pray. If people, are, if people are kind of sitting in their seat, be the one that falls on your knees. I, I, I don't want to make, this isn't about me, but I can only think of, we always think of our own examples. But I remember as a young Christian, I must have been obnoxious to the, my fellow believers because whatever was happening, I'd do more. You know, if the people got out of their seats and kind of began to sway, I'd run around in church. I mean, I, I, I remember going to a preacher's church on Peachtree Street, off Peachtree Street in Atlanta. We used to love to go to a Pentecostal church. And when we would visit, uh, we were living here in Clearwater. I couldn't wait to go because I was champing at the bit because I knew they'd have testimony time. And I would be cooking up those testimonies. I'd have two or three of them lined up, ready to go. I just couldn't wait to jump to my feet. And I had a testimony. I wanted to give God praise, give God glory. Givers never lack. Givers never lack. Do you want to be filled? Give. Give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to worship. Give yourself to praise. Do you want God to lift you up? Become a fool. A fool for Jesus. Humble yourself, the Bible says, under the mighty hand of God, and He will lift and exalt you in due time. Oh, that we would become a church of fools. Oh, that we would become a body of people who care for one thing and it's overwhelming everything else. They are thirsty for God and thirsty for His anointing. There's nothing quite as beautiful than to see dignified people getting undignified calling out on the name of the Lord. Tears flowing at the altars. How I, it breaks my heart that we don't have altar rails. We used to have altar rails back in, back in, I would say my day, but honey, this is my day. Hallelujah. But um, that's all right. Don't let it stop you. Hallelujah. I remember uh, we used to have to step over the bodies to come up for prayer. And I used to love it when unsaved people would come in and look. And they'd, they'd sit close to the door. They'd keep one eye open on that door to make sure it wasn't locked up. There'd be, there'd be bodies laying around. And, uh, but you know what happened? Because real stuff was happening. People were really actually getting saved. People were getting healed. People were getting set free. So, you know, those people that would come in like this, within two or three weeks or a month or so, they were up there, and their friends were coming through the doors. This is how it works, people. It's called filling and flowing. Filling and flowing. Oh, hallelujah. Our altar call this morning is so simple. It's time to make this facility a fountain. It's time to transform us from formality to flowing. So let's open the spigot of our own hearts and mouths and let the Holy Spirit overflow. How many of you feel like that's all right with me? Amen. 
that's all right with me. Amen. Praise the Lord. What if the, what if the Lord embarrasses you? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Helen said it wouldn't be the first time. Praise the Lord. Do you think everyone's going to go out to lunch and go, Juicy Helen. <laughs> Used up a whole box of Kleenex. On her face, rolling around there on the floor, crying out to Jesus. I mean, this is just getting embarrassing. I think I'm going to have to find another church. <laughs> if hearts are breaking before the Lord, if God is trying, you don't know what people are going through. You don't know what happens when they go back home. And that, that struggle that's ripping their family apart all of a sudden begins to turn around because some mother or some father was crying out to God for deliverance and didn't care what people thought. It's called filling and flowing. They get filled and they go home and flow. Let the anointing flow. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. I leave you with this and then we're going to pray. David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Stand with me this morning.